Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who was a faithful servant of Christ on your behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Father, thank you for your word. You love us enough to, to have preserved that for so long that we can read it today, that we can understand you better. That understanding then penetrates our heart, changes us from within to be more like Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In July of uh, 2016, the body of a man was found several months after he went missing while out looking for a treasure chest. He was hunting a treasure, and he lost his life. In 2017, a pastor from Grand Junction, Colorado, he went out hunting the same treasure. He never came back home. He passed away as well. There was one from Illinois and two more from Colorado that also died, five total, looking for the same treasure. Has anybody heard the name Forrest Fenn? Ever heard of it? They had hoped to find Forrest Fenn's treasure chest. In 2010... Forest, he put an ornate 10-inch by 10-inch box together. It was about 40 pounds, and it contained approximately $2 million worth of precious gems and gold. He hid that somewhere in the Rocky Mountains between Santa Fe, New Mexico, and the Canadian border. It was said to be at an elevation uh, above 5,000 feet, and he put a, a cap on the elevation, and that gave some parameters. He published a map and a poem. And both of them provided, supposedly provided enough clues to locate this treasure. Ten years went by. So 2010, he published this. He had the treasure, published the map, published the poem, and ten years go by. Guess how many people went looking for it? Twenty people went looking for it? Ten years. Fenn reports over 300,000 people went looking for this thing over a 10-year time period. Uh, he hid it when he was about 80 years old. 
He was a collector. He was an author. June 6th of 2020, he got a picture from somebody just prior to that. But on June 6th, he reported that a man from the eastern United States had sent him a photograph of the treasure chest confirming that it had been found. He didn't want to, the man that found it didn't want to be identified, so we don't know who it is. But he sent him a picture of the area and a picture of the chest, and it was confirmed then that it was his. Interestingly enough, Forrest Fenn passed away September 7th of this year. Only three months after it was found, he died. 300,000 plus people hunted for a treasure they hoped to find. Forrest Fenn hoped that the treasure would be found. Five people died hunting a treasure that they hoped to find. All of them hoped that the treasure was laid up for them. And that's why they went out and risked their lives. Since the person who found the treasure wanted to remain anonymous, we're probably not going to know what that treasure produced in their life, what the results of finding that are uh, for them. For the Colossians, though, they had something laid up for them that was far more permanent than jewels or gold. They had hope. All of us as believers have hope. Biblical hope is a joyful, confident expectation. It's not a wish. It's not, I hope that it's sunny today. It's not, I hope I can find my keys when it's time to leave. It's a confident expectation. This is going to be the case. This is fixed. It's permanent. It's not just a wish. The Colossians had a great thing laid up for them in heaven. It was the confident expectation of eternal life. Paul says, We give thanks to God, praying always, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. The gospel, Paul says, is laid up for the Colossians. It's laid up in heaven, and it is for us as well. We need to note that the hope of the Colossians was laid up in a permanent place in heaven. We know from other scripture we're chosen before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Our hope will not disappear. The future of those who believe in Jesus is secure in heaven. It's fixed. It's permanent. There is no sin in heaven. Eternal existence in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's glorious in heaven. There's peace there. We're citizens of heaven. It's our home. This is where our hope is laid up. If you've trusted Jesus, this is where your hope is laid up. Just like the Colossians. It's waiting. Our hope is waiting. It's laid up. It's waiting for us. When Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.8 that the righteous judge will award a crown to those who have loved Jesus' appearance or loved His appearing, he also mentioned that this crown is laid up for Paul and those he described as loving Jesus' appearing. The saints have a crown laid up for them in heaven. We have a reward laid up for us in heaven. God has said it there. Nothing can change that. It's not just laid up for one person to find, like a treasure chest. It's laid up for everybody who trusts Jesus. 
Anyone and everyone who believes will receive this hope. It is far, far greater than the value of any amount of jewels or gold. It's far, far greater than that. It's life itself. It's eternity with Jesus. So what was laid up for them? Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. The Colossians have previously heard the good news of Jesus Christ. They knew of His death, His burial, and resurrection. They knew that they deserved eternal punishment and hell because of their sin. They knew the God of this universe was born for one reason. The purpose of receiving punishment for all the world's sins. That's why Christ came to the earth. They learned that Jesus conquered death on the cross. He was victorious. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. He conquered death. They learned that God would not let His beloved Son undergo decay in the grave, but raised Him up. In Acts chapter 2, we studied this past week uh, the quote of Psalm 16 where it's identified that Jesus would not undergo decay, that He would not um, that the Lord would not let him uh, decay. They knew that Jesus had ascended into heaven and is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for them just as He is for us today. Did you know that Jesus is interceding for you today? That's amazing. They had heard from the Bible the good news, the glad tidings, and they had trusted Christ. They believed in Him. This is the hope that is laid up for them and us in heaven. It's fixed. It's permanent. The eternal life we get the moment we believe continues long after we pass from these bodies because it's eternal. It goes on forever. Do we stop and think about that? Do we ever stop and consider when we trust Christ, we get eternal life, what that means exactly. We get it now. So if you've trusted Jesus, right now you have eternal life. Your body will pass away, but your life will go on forever. Now it becomes harder and harder to wrap our minds around, right? Because we run on a clock. But it goes way past that. Never ending. Never ending. The Gospel comes to us from the Word of God. They had hope laid up for them in heaven of which they previously heard in the Word of Truth. The Colossians had heard of the Gospel through the Word of Truth. It's the Bible. They had heard from the Word of God. Romans 10.17 is a verse you may be familiar with. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ came to the Colossians just the same as it comes to the people today. And that is the Word of God. We hear the Gospel from the Bible, the Word of Truth. Interesting, as we look at uh, those verses, or that verse in Romans and this one here, there are two words that we find translated word in the Bible. Does that make sense? One is rhema and one is logos. 
The word rhema shows up in Romans 10.17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's every word that's spoken. It's one word. It's a phrase, uh, a sentence of words, but it's the specific words. Okay. Well, you're familiar with the passage in John chapter 1. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. That is logos. Our text today, the word of truth, it's logos. And that, by definition, isn't just the specific words being used, but is the entire concept. And so when you read John chapter 1, you see, okay, this is just a word spoken by God. It's referring to Jesus, the entire idea that God has that he wants to communicate to us. And we know that the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. And we have here in the word of truth the entire idea that God's trying to get across to us. The gospel, you see, it's not just words. It's, it's an entire idea of redemption and reconciliation of God's people to himself. And so as you think about that, as you run across in your study, when you come across the word in John chapter 1 and in other places, Take a moment and look it up. If you're seeing Logos, it's not just the word spoken, but what God is delivering to you in that moment. And it's the whole idea. The Gospel comes to us from the Word of God. There is a result of the Gospel, and we call it love. The Gospel tells us how we can have eternal life, but that's not all. That's not all of it, is it? When we believe in Christ... The good news of Jesus then has brought forth in us a relationship with God and a relationship with His people. And that's very important to think about. It's why we love others. It's why we interact with one another and love each other. In our flesh, we don't love anybody but ourselves. Just us. In our flesh, we just love us. In Christ, we have His love inside of us, which is an outward-facing love towards others. We love because He first loved us. 1 John 4.19 is maybe a familiar verse. Paul and Timothy were thankful to God for the Colossians after they had heard of their faith in Christ and the love they had for all the saints, which was a result of the Gospel, which was their hope that had been laid up for them in heaven. So he was thankful. He heard of their faith and their love. And this came to them because they had heard the word of truth. They had believed the gospel. And they had God's love towards others. This same hope is laid up for us in heaven. It's the hope that motivates believers to love one another. Now some people are bent that way a little bit before they trust Christ. But it's still self-serving. When we believe, the Holy Spirit indwells us, and that is God's love that then just takes over. And all of a sudden we start looking out. We start looking out to serve each other. The Gospel which has come to you just as in all the world in verse 6. It's constantly bearing fruit and increasing. The Gospel is active and unstoppable. Have you thought of that? It can't be stopped. Did you know that? 
Paul reminded the Colossians that the gospel which they had heard from Epaphras was the same gospel that had gone out into the world. The false teaching they were hearing from those who would take them captive to lies was not the message that Paul and others had proclaimed everywhere they went. How much more so today does the gospel spread? The gospel, the good news of Jesus, has gone out into many parts of the world. By the grace of God, we'll continue to be a part of that as we share with our community. And here in our county, in the state, in our country, and as we participate worldwide in others going out and sharing the truth of Christ. It's constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Life as a result of faith in Jesus causes a new creature to be born. The gospel creates new creatures. It causes the new person to grow into maturity as we trust Jesus day by day. Fruit comes from a life dependent on Christ, on the gospel. Forgiveness for sins, grace applied, dependence on the Spirit of God, applying the Word of God to our lives day by day. Faith experienced as we trust and believe biblical truth and trust God to keep His Word, hour by hour, day by day. It is bearing fruit and increasing. The Gospel isn't just salvation. The good news of Christ isn't just salvation. But it's day by day, week by week. That life in us from Christ from faith in Him, it keeps going every day. It can't be stopped. This is so, so important to consider. The good news of Jesus is the message that belief in Him is where eternal life comes from. As we learned in the Wednesday night adventure clubs here, the church, we talked to the kiddos right up here, and we're studying this year the church, the Bible, and the end times. And right now we're starting with the church. And so the church is made, they're all in the other room, so they can't answer. The church is made up of believers, those who have trusted Christ. Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of the body. He promised in Matthew 16, I will build my church, and what's the rest of it? The gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? Nothing can stop Christ's church. The gospel is unstoppable. How many times has, has sinful man tried to stop the church through the course of history? Countless times. They've tried to destroy believers. Nothing can stop his church. He said that. He's promised that. And so we continue. So some things for us to think about as we walk through this um, passage, these two verses. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. First, do we recognize that in Jesus resides our life, our righteousness, and our eternal home? Do we recognize that? In Christ, we have life. Not in our performance. Not in our attitude. 
not in how much good we do, it doesn't have any bearing on whether we have life or not. Did you know that? What we do does not give us life. But we think that. A lot of times we think that. We think if I don't do this, or if I don't... I can't even think of examples right now, but if it's dependent on me. If I don't do this, if I don't behave this way, if I don't say this thing, then I'm less than... But that's not the Gospel. The good news of Christ is what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Jesus is God. He came born of a virgin for the purpose of dying. To pay the price for the sins of the whole world. Every sin. That's why He came to die. He was buried. For three days He rose again. He made Himself known that He had risen from the dead, and then He ascended back into heaven where He sits today. In Jesus, in Him alone, is our life. Our righteousness is not our own, is it? There's nothing good in this, inherently. It's in Jesus. God sees us. He sees Christ's righteousness. He doesn't see you, and He doesn't see me. He sees Jesus. This isn't a license to sin, obviously, but does the American church not get wrapped up in what we look like? We do. We get wrapped up in what we look like um, sometimes, but it, it doesn't matter. It's Jesus' righteousness. It's Jesus' life. Our eternal home is in Christ. We get fixed on stuff here. If we don't take care of our houses, they're going to fall. We know that, right? So there's prudence. But we're just passing through. Sojourners, just passing through. We have a, uh, we've seen a shift. I don't do politics. We don't barely talk about them around here. Just don't do it. There is so much else to discuss that's far more important. We've seen a shift in our country prior to this week. I posted a uh, Bible Project video on Facebook on our page, and then if you'll go to their page, wonderful overview of Scripture. They have multiple videos, and they're just overviews of different concepts from Scripture and specific books of Scripture. I would encourage you to add that to your Bible study information and, and uh, use those videos. This one talks about exile. It talks about what it is like for the people of God to live under somebody else's authority and control. Their country is governed by an outsider. And um, God promises to bring them back, and He does. And this idea of we live somewhere else, it's not our home. But that time is coming where we will be at home with God. And I would encourage you to look at that and think about that as America changes over time. Uh, there is no guarantee that America will exist. And it certainly doesn't exist in its present form as it did in years past. 
And so um, we would do well to think about on a, on a regular basis, we are living for God. We are not living for uh, whoever runs our country. And that dictates certain courses of action for us and decisions that we make and things like that. And it really, it really provides grounding to know when you go on vacation. When we go on vacation, we know where we're coming back to. We expect to come back home, right? We, we know how to get back home. Hopefully you figured that out before you leave. We know how to get back home, right? We're coming back home. While we're on vacation, we're, we're out, we're enjoying time with, with people we know, we're seeing new sights, but we're coming back home. Well, in one sense, we're all on vacation. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's our home. This is temporary. James says our lives are like a vapor. They're gone in a flash. And we know that. If we have any distance behind us, we know that. It's quick. And some of you are laughing at me as I say that right now. <laughs> we are free from getting exercised about a lot of things happening around us, aren't we? We don't have to worry and fear what's coming next or what may not be coming next because we have a home. We know where it's at. We know who keeps it. And we know who's coming back to get us and take us there, right? Our eternal home is in Christ. Do we look forward to that? We have a, um, we have a time on earth. Uh, there's an author that I, uh, that I follow, um, his posts, and he has a tremendous amount of book recommendations on a regular basis. Just a really solid guy. And his, um, I, I don't know the age of his son, but he's late teens, early 20s, playing some sport with friends and family and passed away. He's just, he was gone. And, uh, wow. He, uh, his post was my, my son, and then he described his son, and he says he's, he's gone. Sometimes we have a long time here, and sometimes we don't have such a long time. But uh, however long God gives us on this earth, it doesn't end there. For the believer, we have life eternal. And so our true home is in heaven. The rest of the story happens after we're done here. We have memorial services for those who pass away. We miss them dearly. We celebrate their life, but it's so short. And Paul says, you know, you have a hope that those who don't believe don't have. And he says, God is coming back, and those who have already passed away are going to go first when Jesus returns, and then those others will follow. And then he says, comfort one another with these words. And it's because the rest of the story is yet to follow, and it's for all eternity. This is just a snippet. So, do we look for the rest of that story, and do we think about what that's like? Certainly enjoying the relationships He gives us here, enjoying living in His love, 
enjoying His creation, which is magnificent. The majesty of God shows up everywhere around us. But knowing that we have a home that is permanent. We believed after we heard the gospel from the Word of God. Do you share your story? Do we look for opportunities to praise God by telling others what He's done in us? How He saved us? Do we look for opportunities to share the Word of Truth with them so they can believe and have hope laid up for themselves in heaven? Love. Not only do we recognize God on the throne and not our idols of the heart, but we love others as God loves them. We talked about 1 Corinthians this week in one of our Bible studies. What does that look like? Have we visited 1 Corinthians in a while to see what love really looks like? And I'll ask you as I ask the men, how do we do with keeping track of wrongs against us? Do we keep an account of those? Because love does not. And when we get rid of the tracking of wrongs against us, we're employing forgiveness that Jesus gave to us and so we can give to others. And I want to encourage you, if the Gospel is not just for salvation, then it is for, which it isn't, it's for living as well. The Gospel, we believe, but then we depend on Christ every minute of every day. That means that you have the power to forgive those who've hurt you. And some of those hurts are decades old. And it might very well be time for you to cut those loose. Because every hurt, every time somebody offends us and we hold on to that, bitterness is growing whether we like it or not. And don't think for a second I'm saying this is easy. I know it's not. I know personally it's not. But I am calling us to look at this because it shows up. You know it. Those people who love you enough to talk to you, to care about you, to serve you, they see it. And most of all, God who sees the heart he knows that you're hanging on to that. And I'm talking to all of us. There's little things and there's big things. But they nip at our heels and they don't go away. And when we hold on to those things and we don't turn loose of that and say, God forgave me, and He says that keeping track of all these wrongs is not love and it's not Him. You've got to let go of that and turn it over to Him and say, Okay, God, you saved me. You've forgiven me. I can forgive others. And now I just I want to forget about this. Now, sometimes these things are horrific. And I'm not saying all of a sudden if something horrible has happened that you should trust that person again. I'm not saying that. There are situations we're aware of where you cannot do that. And you shouldn't. But you can forgive. We can forgive. We've been forgiven. And if I've been forgiven, I can forgive anybody who's done anything. 
Love doesn't keep track of things. Love bears up under things. We walk with one another. We endure. Does the gospel produce fruit in your life daily? And we're not inspecting each other. That's wrong. Okay? We love on each other, but we don't walk around looking. But you can look. You can look at your heart. And you can ask God, develop in me, magnify in me, produce in me the fruit of the Gospel. And we're familiar with it from Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things, that's fruit of the Gospel. Showing up in our lives. None of this is a call to perfection. It's impossible. The flesh hangs out with us. Paul tells us that in Romans 7. He does the things he doesn't want to do. He doesn't do the things he wants to do. It's a constant. And that's why the Gospel, the good news, daily, God, You saved me. You have power. I don't. In my flesh, I would. But you, in your spirit, the fruit comes out. Make that me. You know what? He longs to do that. He desires to do that. He wants us to be more like Christ. And all of this All of this comes from the grace of God because we deserve none of it. And He just says, here, it's yours. Just trust Me. Just believe. And it's all yours. Wow. Take any one of those things that comes from the good news of Christ and faith in Him. Any one thing that comes as a result of that. And it's mind-boggling that He would do that. Yet He does all of it for us. Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world. It's constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Father, we're thankful for your word. The words in print that we see in the Bible that You've preserved. The living Word. The righteous One. Who died for us. Rose again conquering death. Sits at Your right hand interceding for us. God, I pray those things we hang on to that are not good. That are not of You that You would just move in our hearts to cut them loose, to look to Christ, 
through Your Holy Spirit. Bring forth Your fruit in our lives, Lord. I am so thankful for this body and what You've done here and what You continue to do. You're intimately involved in each one of our lives. And Father, I pray that in this body, in this community, that You would just bring forth fruit, that You would save souls, that You would help us all to turn and walk through life with a view of Jesus on the throne, an eternity with Him in heaven, and that You would just make that our conversation, our walk. Help us to cry out to You, God, our Father. And help us to be encouraged that You're sovereign and that You remain on the throne and that You're our Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.